Welcome to Mainstream Modular, a podcast presented by Gurdon. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Mainstream Modular, a podcast brought to you by Gurdon Modular. I'm your host, Tyler Kern. Thank you so much for joining us here for another episode of the show. Today, we are taking a look at a study that's being performed, and it's going to explain a little bit more about why the Department of Energy is taking a look at modular construction and how it compares to site-built. And so we're going to dive into this study a little bit more today with John Elliott. He's a professor at Colorado State University. John, welcome to the show. Thanks for joining me. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. We are uh, thrilled to have you on the show today, John. So, John, you are uh, conducting a study right now, you and, uh, and another professor. Tell us a little bit about that study, what you're looking at specifically, and, uh, and a little bit more just about um, uh, some of the interesting things that are going on in that study. Yeah, sure. Um, so this uh, study is a collaboration between the University of Nebraska-Lincoln. Um, they're the principal investigator. Kevin Groskopf is a faculty member there who's leading the entire project. And then uh, myself and uh, one of my colleagues, John Killingsworth at Colorado State, are also a part of the research team. Um, so the project itself um, is a Department of Energy project, um, specifically in the Office of uh, Energy Efficiency and Renewable Energies. Um, and it's under the grant program, uh, Advanced Building Construction uh, with Energy Efficient Technology and Practice. And they just call it the ABC program. Um, so it's, uh, you know, a three-year process. Uh, the funding was announced in um, the first quarter of 2020, um, and uh, it's a three-year project. Uh, so we've been collecting data for a couple of years and uh, putting together um, the reports here uh, coming up in the next year or so. So I'm sure one of the follow-up questions that many people will have, and so this is why I'm going to ask it to you, is is what interest does the Department of Energy have um, when it comes to researching modular construction? What are they looking to learn or understand from this study? So um, the uh, Department of Energy funds uh, commercial um, building energy studies where they look at um, energy consumption. And in this advanced building construction uh grant uh, or um, you know funding opportunity um, they're looking at multifamily projects they've done a, a you know site built multifamily studies in the past and now um, with the uh, you know proliferation of modular uh, volumetric modular construction um, kind of want to understand a new uh, a new concept so looking at um, advanced technology and practice that being the modular side of things and then comparing that to traditional multifamily site built. And they just want to see, um, you know, substantiate a lot of the things that we we think about modular, um, you know, higher quality um, insulation and things of that nature, uh, double walls and mate walls and things like that, and see how it impacts um, the, uh, the energy performance. Um, so the study is two parts, and this kind of goes back to the first question, but the study is two parts, one for compliance and one for consumption. And so, um, we're looking at 20 projects um, in compliance, so 10 modular and 10 site built, and then you know another 20 or so in the uh, consumption side. So after uh, occupancy, you know how they perform comparing modular uh, to the site built, um, you know existing commercial studies they've already done. So that's kind of the idea of the study. 
So uh, give us some insight into the, the process then that, that you're going uh, to conduct, going through to conduct this research um, and what that has looked like so far. Obviously, you mentioned uh, that it, it kicked off in the early part of 2020. So I'm guessing there have been some maybe some complications uh, along the way due to COVID. But but tell us a little bit more about the, the process for doing the research. Sure. Yeah. The um, you're saying there's two parts and they're separate studies. Um, and then we triangulate the data. Uh, from the consumption and compliance piece. Um, so I'm uh, more uh, a part of the compliance portion of the study. So I'll talk about that one first. So we have um, 10 modular multifamily projects um, in three locations, um, Philadelphia, uh, the state of California, and then the Seattle um, area. And those were selected, um, you know, Based on DOE uh, feedback, um, the program manager uh, wanted to select those process or those uh, locations, excuse me, for the process. And so, on the compliance study, we do a plan review, a specification review as the first step. Uh, we visit the factory and confirm, um, you know, the installation of the materials and everything we saw in the um, plan review portion. And then the final visit is on site near substantial completion. Um, pre-occupancy, um, you know, as close to that uh, turnover of the building as possible to kind of reconfirm the information. And then we're comparing that to the um, building code that was used um, to construct that, that building itself. And then on the consumption side, um, it's looking at post-occupancy energy consumption. So based on um, actual data that's collected from the, uh, the service providers, uh, and looking at how um, occupants are using the spaces and if there are differences between um, buildings that were built in a volumetric um, modular methodology versus just the traditional site built. So that's that's kind of the uh, the overarching study and kind of how we're processing through the data collection. So you mentioned, uh, you know, some of the sites and um, and some of the different locations, be it Philadelphia, state of California and some others. Uh, how were those locations chosen specifically? What what was the reasoning behind some of the, the locations that you chose? Yeah. So initially, we um, when we uh, put in our proposal for funding, we proposed ASHRAE climate zones. Um, but then through the negotiation process, uh, the program managers um, wanted to look at these three specific areas, Seattle and California, because they're um, fairly progressive on their energy standards. Um, and then the state of California, because of uh, title, uh, uh, title 21, I believe. I can't remember the name of it right now. I'm just going to space on that. Uh, but their energy code is a lot more strict. Um, and then Philadelphia, there's just a whole bunch of modular projects going on in Philadelphia based on some of the manufacturers out there. So East Coast, West Coast, um, a lot of multifamily going on in the traditional site built, um, you know, methodology in, in Seattle and California, as well as Philly, but also good penetration in the market for, you know, companies like Gurdon and others who are um, you know, supplying the modules. So that was kind of the what we landed on um, after starting with ASHRAE zone, climate zones kind of moving through the process, what DOE wanted to see, 
and limiting it down to uh, those three geographical regions. And it's Title 24 code, by the way. I just uh, spaced that. <laughs> All good. All good. So you mentioned that you're going to compare kind of usage rates um, post-occupancy. Uh, tell us a little bit about that process by which you're going to kind of compare that data and, and kind of look at, across these these 10 projects. What is that comparison process going to look like? And what, what sorts of things are you looking for when you when you kind of compare the, the data from each uh, of these locations? So on the um, consumption side, that's uh, what UNL is leading. Um, so Kevin Groskoff is leading that portion. Um, but what they're looking at is energy use intensity, um, you know, based on uh, square footage of these different areas. So common spaces, multifamily spaces, a lot of the, um, the mixed use pr uh, projects that we have have podiums. So we're trying to separate those out for apples to apples comparisons. Um, just to see uh, if the energy consumption in you know lighting and things like that, however we can break it down based on the subreading, is different between modular and um, and uh, the traditional site built. You know the assumption there is that um, you know occupants and the, the way they use buildings. If we have enough sample, we're looking at it in aggregate, so all the site built compared to all the modular to kind of um, you know normalize those different uh, comparisons to see. Um, if modular is performing better uh, than site built. So that's kind of the consumption side of it. On the compliance side, it's a lot of box checking, to be honest. I mean, you know, code is what drives the the um, building envelope in most cases and what's being used. And so far, you know, um, you know, we're building to that code in the manufacturing facility or on site, but the quality is where things kind of... Uh, seem to be changing a little or differing a little bit between modular being done in a controlled environment versus the site built. That's interesting. So have there been any findings uh, that um, have surprised you or, you know, I'm, I'm assuming that you always go into a study like this with some, some presuppositions, whether um, you want to or not. So, so how maybe has the study and what you've seen so far compared with maybe your assumptions going into this? You know, um, we try and go in with eyes wide open, non-biased as much as we can, and just make sure that our comparisons are as apples to apples as possible. Um, you know, we we hear a lot um, about modular um, and some of the claims being made about energy efficiency and, and uh, you know, disruption of the neighborhoods and workforce and all these different things. But this is obviously the energy side of it. Um, you know, I think, you know, the code really drives um you know what's being put in place because at the end of the day it's cost right um but to meet the same codes with higher levels of uh i guess um higher quality installation perhaps you know that the, the mate walls and how things go together so we haven't really been surprised yet um and we haven't looked at the full data because we're still in the process of collecting it but it seems like um like the lighting side of things, modular might be a little bit better uh, performance-wise. Um, so it just it's just kind of interesting. So it is truly exploratory for us. Um, and uh, yeah, it seems like the code drives most of it. And then I'll be really interested to see in the consumption side how how it pans out because I think that's where we'll really see the differences. There are still some lingering, maybe negative stigmas around modular construction and. Um, whether it's that uh, the the quality is poor or you know th things along those lines, have you found that um, 
that those maybe stigmas that might still exist in certain corners of the industry, have you found any of them to, to be true or not true or, or anything along those lines? Just, just curious about your, your thoughts on that. Um, you know, I think the, the, I guess, lack of understanding between manufactured and modular still kind of exists. I mean, although I think the owners that we um, get a chance to talk to, they've chosen volumetric modular or site built. So they know um, the advantages. I mean, the uh, manufacturers have have looked at those things. Um, as far as quality of the interior, um, at substantial completion, you really can't tell. I can't tell. I wouldn't be able to tell the difference. Um, and I've been in a lot of projects, you know, a lot of buildings. You just walk around a multifamily project. I mean, there are certain things if you really got down to it, like, you know, bumped your head above the uh, acoustical ceiling and said, oh, okay, all these connections were made. This is volumetric modular. But um, then, you know, I would say 95% of the people in the world would never know um, that they're in a modular. And I think that's, um, you know, that's something that I'd love to actually look at and survey is people that live in these buildings, do they even know that they're in a modular building at all? I mean, that's the thing. So, um, you know, I think some of those stigmas have been broken down. Um, the quality in the factory um, is really high. Um, and, you know, we expected to see that. We took a lot of photo documentation, a lot of pictures and video of, of that kind of stuff. We did some um, uh, air change uh, stuff that is going to come out, and that's through Kevin uh, Groskoff, but um, looking at actual blower door tests of different things, um, different points in the modular process as well as on site. So there's, there's some interesting real data that's going to be coming out here. Um, but as far as the stigmas, you know, I think, um, I think it's going away. I mean, this is obviously just anecdotal on my part. Um, but even when a project is, you know, when all the modules are set and they're finishing the exterior side, I think most people walking by on the street have no idea that it's modular. <laughs> so, yeah. So once the cranes leave, right. So that makes sense. That absolutely makes sense. And so, um, it's, it sounds like you're roughly about two and a half years into to the project, right? Right. Give, give us an idea of how far you are into this project now and, and how much you know more work you have left. So um, we are about 75% uh, complete with data collection. Um, and so next summer is uh, kind of when the final deliverables are due, kind of a soft uh, deadline on that. But, um, you know, when it comes to... Uh, you know, putting the reports together, you know, we started to compile a lot of the data, um, but we're about 75% complete. I'm actually going out next week to um, look at a project in Pennsylvania in the factory um, that's going to be a Philadelphia project. Uh, so, you know, there's, um, you know, quite a bit left to do in the reporting side and analysis side, but, uh, you know, we're, we're getting there for sure. Um, you know, with COVID and material delays and other things, um, a lot of the projects got pushed back, um, you know, just with uh, with those, you know, have to change from one material to another based on supply, you know, mid production that caused a lot of issues. Um, so we ended up pushing back a little bit on some of our dates. So, you know, mid to late summer next uh, year, we should be closing out. When the project is closed out, is there a way for people to kind of access some of this research and um, to kind of tap into the, the insights that you've gleaned from this study? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so technically, I mean, it'll be published um, by the Department of Energy, the main report. Um, but, you know, working with Department of Energy, um, you know, we'll be able to, 
we've been able to um, put together some uh, conference papers and, and papers uh, for journals um, that really talk more about the process in depth. Um, and so you know, coming up in, uh, I guess, I think it's, I believe it's December or January, um, we have a conference paper uh, in Florida with Kobe that'll come out. Um, and just kind of talking about the process that we've done, you know, moving through, uh, you know, preceding the actual reports. Um, so they'll all come out uh, publicly um, through DOE, and then some of the uh, journal papers and conference papers will will follow that once, uh, you know, in an overstep uh, the DOE report because that's the main brunt. But then we'll take portions of that and put it into more trade publications and things of that nature. Excellent, excellent stuff. So. Um... John, as we start to kind of wrap up this conversation and wind things down, what do you hope people maybe understand after listening to this conversation? Or, or uh, are there things that you want people to know um, just about the work that you're doing and maybe what you've seen about modular construction that maybe people wouldn't have known before uh, checking out this podcast? Any, anything you want to leave people with? Yeah, I think, um, you know, as far as, you know, multifamily construction, um, you know, time to market for an owner is so important. And, you know, getting these modules installed and shortening the overall duration of the project uh, has so much benefit, not only for the owner financially, but just for the community. Um, and also another area that I'm really interested in is the workforce development side. Um, you know, people coming to a fixed location to do the work in a controlled environment uh, takes down a lot of the barriers that we're currently seeing in workforce um, issues in construction where, you know, it's hard to get from one project for 18 months to another for six months, then to another for two years. So, I mean, outside of the the EUI energy stuff, um, I think there's a lot of benefits to this that, um, that really uh, will change the way our industry moves forward, at least with multifamily, these repetitive type, you know, once hospitality kind of comes back. Um, and interestingly, you know, I think one of the the big surprises on our project was that we saw a lot of um, affordable housing, um, but also a lot of market rate. And I think that's another thing that um, was kind of a surprise to me, kind of going back to one of your previous questions. You know, if you're building a whole bunch of studios and say like a transition, you know, transitional housing for veterans or something like that, a lot of that stuff going on in California, but in Philly, a lot of it's market rate and, you know, really uh, high-end finishes and things of that nature. So I think some of that stuff, um, you know, we're kind of changing the paradigm on on what modular um, is and, and how, uh, how much quality you're getting out of the final product. So uh, that's been a real fun thing for me to see and learn about over the past couple of years. That's that's really fascinating, and I can't wait to to learn more about that, and, and maybe even see more about that um, as the study kind of uh, continues on and and eventually reaches a close next summer. Um, John Elliott, professor at Colorado State. John, thank you so much for joining us here on Mainstream Modular, talking a little bit more about the study that you're doing uh, for the DOE and um, and what you've seen and what you've experienced and learned so far from that study. It's been a pleasure. I appreciate the opportunity to share what we're doing. Um, I hope that it gets some traction and people can start to learn some things that we're learning right alongside, you know, trying to figure out this whole new uh, paradigm in, manu in uh, manufactured, um, you know, manufactured process in the modular industry um, and volumetric modular in particular. So thank you very much, Tyler. 
Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and everyone out there that, uh, that is tuning into this podcast, um, first of all, thank you so much for, for joining us here today, but also uh, stay on the lookout for that study. We'll make sure to, to amplify it and, uh, and make sure that, uh, that people out there uh, get the opportunity to, to check it out once it is uh, published and that sort of thing. And who knows, maybe we'll have John back on in the future uh, for a follow-up episode uh, once, uh, once the study is done, but uh, stay tuned for that. But for this episode, everyone, thank you so much for joining us here for this episode of Mainstream Modular. As always, you can visit the Gurdon website to learn more about Gurdon and the work that they're doing in the modular construction world. And you can subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you get podcasts these days, you can find Mainstream Modular there. So subscribe to stay up to date with the latest. But for this episode, for John Elliott, I'm Tyler Kern. We'll talk to you next time.